Riverbank's Cow Care Podcast. G'day, I'm Sean Britton. Welcome to the Cow Care Podcast. You can catch up on any episodes you missed at cowcare.com.au. We've been talking to a stack of dairy farmers and experts about the most common problems on the farm, and today we're looking at a doozy, fertility. Here's Noel Davies talking about his farm. Fertility on this farm's always been a problem, but we've had it round the 70 to 75% of cows getting in calf. But I don't know whether that's actually a feed issue or whether it's something in the soil. I'm not haven't worked that one out yet because the vets will tell you that um, there's 101 things that contribute to a cow not getting in calves, so yeah. Noel's right, there are a lot of things that contribute to your cow's fertility and in-calf rate, but we're going to try and look at a few details that can help you make improvements. The cost of infertility on the farm can stack up. Dairy consultant James Haig does the sums. The, the cost per cow in direct costs of the cost of semen and the cost of replacement animals for cows not in calf calculates out about $120 for every cow in the herd. And obviously this mounts up to a considerable amount of money. So fertility has got a direct cost of cost of service and cost of um, replacement animals, but also there's an indirect cost which isn't calculated there which is the cost of lost milk through shorter lactation lengths um, and through um, the amount of time that we spend dealing with calvings at that point in time. Some farmers we talked to found their cows producing the most milk were the ones that had the most trouble getting in calf. Robin Davies explains. Some of them, are, once they get in good condition, they start milking and then they forget about cycling. Sort of, yeah, cycling's not their number one priority. It's putting the feed on their backs and milking. Yeah. So the better condition and the better producers are the ones that you're finding that aren't actually getting in calf that season. James explains why this happens. When we're reviewing empty rates, the cows that quite often are very difficult to get in calf and end up as empty, uh, quite often are the best cows within the herd, uh, the more productive ones. And when we're losing good cows for force reasons, it's very difficult to, to progress the herd forward. Um, it's much better to be able to cull animals for selected reasons like high, uh, on production, low production, the, the, on temperament, conformation and somatic cell count. But when we're forced to cull cows for things like um, infertility, either empty or difficult breeders, then we don't move the herd forward quite as fast. The average empty rates that we should be targeting are around 7%. And if we can get our empty rates down to this sort of level, it gives us a lot more leeway within, let's say, a typical cull rate of, of 20 to 24% on farm to be able to select the, the poorer producing animals and to, to cull on that. But when we're forced into culling cows for force reasons due to high empty rates or difficult breeders, then it, it limits the progress that we make within the advancement of our herd. So it's very important to understand the needs of the high yielding cows within the herd, um, especially um, when we look at the amount of variation of 
productive animals within any particular herd. We typically see that if we take an average of, uh, let's say, 500 milk solids, that we will have animals that are doing well over 700 milk solids within that herd, and animals that will only be doing about 300 milk solids. Obviously, it's, it should be much easier to get the energy into a cow doing 300 milk solids than one doing 700. So the nutrition of the herd really should be targeted to the performance of the animal. So within our fertility, we should be understanding the needs of each group of cows within our herds. After moving his herd to a new farm, Adam Richard spent a lot of time working on his in-calf rate and still managed to reach a good target. Um, after the move I spoke about earlier last year, been quite tough on the cows and, and feed availability last year was, well, very hard to come by. Um, we weren't happy with our conception or with our in-calf rate last year. Our in-calf rate was around about 78%, I think. However, across the industry, it seems like it wasn't too bad. Um, we're hoping for a lot better than that this year. But once again, it comes down to feed, the condition you carve your cows in um, and how quickly you can get them back into a positive weight gain, which again is feed. Um, and so the, the better you can, better condition you can dry your cows off and calve them, the, the, the more cows you're going to get back in calf. Um, but we are also, um, in, our, in our breeding program, we are picking bulls with higher fertility and I think that's been an issue across the industry for a number of years and, and looking at the bulls available, um, a lot of people are using bulls with a very low DPR, which is the daughter pregnancy rate, and probably don't know it. And uh, so we've been over our bull team this year and cut some bulls out that, that we think we don't want to use because um, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how good the cow is, if she doesn't calve, she doesn't give milk, and, and that's no good for anybody. Hayne McKenzie is also following a similar breeding program strategy. Choosing our bulls uh, through AI for high heifer fertility, um, like daughter fertility, and semen fertility in the bulls to try and improve that. Uh, because we're split calving, uh, and I don't like to needle cows, I don't mind if the odd cows go on from spring to autumn or autumn to spring. As long as they're milking okay, we'll just keep on going. So it's a good idea to check your bulls have the right characteristics to improve fertility on the farm. But there's a lot of details you should be looking at within your herd. James breaks down some information from a Dairy Australia fertility study. If we take one factor, which is the submission rate, um, that showed an extremely large variation on farm on the Dairy Australia survey that was done. Um, it showed it running from about 23% submission rate right the way through to just short of 100%, with an average sat at 72%. Submission rate is all about how um, active the cows are and how easy it is to spot them for bringing forward either for AB or for, um, for putting towards the bull. One of the big factors that affects submission rate um, is the energy status of the animal. So when she's carved in, on day one, 
Um, there's a very large requirement for glucose. It almost trebles from the previous day when she was still in calf. If the cow is short of energy at the start of lactation, then we will find that submission rate is low. Those cows will not present themselves forward. Um, and if submission rate's low, really doesn't matter how good conception rate is, we still won't be getting the, the total amount of cows in calf. So submission rate is a critical factor within um, total fertility equation. So if we look at why these cows are not being put forward, number one, we should be focusing on looking at dry matter intake for this cow in early lactation. If dry matter intakes are low, then her intake of energy will be low and she will not have the energy that she needs for reproduction. So as soon as that cow calves in, we should be looking for her dry matter intake to be at its maximum. This really is driven by how well we've performed in the transition period. If we've got the transition period right, the cow's dry matter intake in early lactation will be one to two kilos higher. Now what that means from the cow's point of view is that she will be getting between 12 and 25 megajoules of extra energy in. That's enough to reduce the effects of things like ketosis which we know has a negative effect on submission rate and on subsequent fertility. So dry, getting dry matter intake up in early lactation is fundamental to improving uh, fertility on farm. This is why at Riverbank and within Cowcare we take a lot of effort looking at transition feeding, making sure that we keep on top of met metabolic issues that might arise due to things like high potassium on farm um, and just general nutrition during that transition period. If we can get the um, cyclicity of the cows operating well in early lactation, we should be monitoring that from day one. So we should have um, a good indication of cyclicity even prior to starting the mating period. If we can see that submission rate isn't quite good enough, then at that point in time we can intervene, look at the diet, look at the cows. Maybe we have cows that are coming through that are, are dirty, that, that haven't cleansed properly. Um, these need treatment. But really we should be looking very closely at the, the diet around that period and saying is this sufficient to meet the cow's energy requirements not just for lactation but also for fertility. Back on the farms we visited most seemed to agree that keeping your cows in good condition was the number one way to improve your fertility rate. To help with this Hayden McKenzie recently started using lead feed. I hadn't used lead feed for a probably five years. Uh, this year we used it. Um, we went through other years maybe four boxes of milk fever packs. This year we would have went through maybe one. There was less cleaning problems after birth. Um, and yeah, I don't know if it was just, just a year that we've had a good year or a lucky year. Um, but yeah, I think the lead feed made the difference. Well, basically, we try and make sure that their their condition is good. So, I mean, you, you can condition store, score your cows, and 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 you know, for example, we did have problems with our cows at the start of this milking season, and they lost a lot of condition. We knew why they lost a lot of condition, and that was because we didn't have enough feed. We didn't have enough of the right feed. We couldn't. We didn't have enough money to buy the right sort of feed to fill them up. So we knew that that was why our milk dropped and also why we had some calving difficulties. But 
Generally speaking, though, we make sure that, that they're in, they get the, the best available feed that we've got um, and we try and make sure that what we feed them, um, that they, you know, that they do well on that. So we don't necessarily feed um, huge amounts of grain. I mean, but we do when they first calf. So we increase that after they calf. We put them on a transition diet. Then we put them across to a normal diet or our normal custom diet that we that we choose. And we increase that rate to make sure that they put on enough weight so that they're in good condition um, so that they would get in calf. We weren't sure how we'd go having bought a herd that was predominantly, um, I guess, not terribly fertile. I mean, that is the reason why they were culled because they weren't in calf and or they had been autumn cows and they weren't all necessarily born as autumn calves so we were worried that we might have some uh, difficulties but we got um, all bar six so we had 94 percent in calf rate so we were pretty happy with that Uh, we had some carryovers they were mostly um, heifers that we carried over we said we'd give them another chance so our fertility has been has been good but we believe that we've worked at that. We've worked with Dom to make sure that they're in good condition when we joined. Um, we always give our cows a shot of ADE prior to starting AI. Um, my husband AIs the cows, so we're not left with our cows standing around waiting for a long time before they're, they're, um, they're joined. That was Sharon Allott talking about how she used condition scoring. James also stressed that this type of measurement is essential for keeping an eye on where the cow should be in the lead up to joining. One thing nutritionally that's going to be very important for us to improve fertility is body condition score. We know it's very difficult to get dry matter intakes up to where they they really should be in early lactation. So the cow is going to need to draw on some of the body reserves that she's accumulated typically in the last 100 days of the last lactation, she's going to draw on those body reserves to fill that energy deficit. Unfortunately, if the cow hasn't got sufficient body reserves, then we're not going to be able to fill the energy needs that that cow's programmed to uh, satisfy the requirements for lactation. So we're going to find that that cow either drops in production or what typically happens is that she doesn't get in calf. So making sure that the cow has got enough of a buffer of energy reserves in that body condition score is really important. What we find is that those cows that lose the most body condition score in early lactation are the ones typically that are harder to get in calf. We can limit this by making sure that the dramatur intake is maximized in early lactation through that early transition period, um, getting the cow set up for that next lactation and then making sure that the quality and consistency of feeding in early lactation is high. Where we find cows drawing on those body reserves the most is where we've got inconsistent feeding. So it's really important to make sure that the cow's dry matter intake is constant, that her energy intake is constant in early lactation to avoid her pulling excessive reserves from her back.
One of the consequences of pulling too much body condition score off too quickly is that it affects the liver. As fat is mobilized off the cow's back, it goes into the cow's liver to get processed and can accumulate there as ketones. And this is where we see cows going down with ketosis. The fat that accumulates in the liver can be cleared out, but if it can't be cleared out fast enough, we compromise the ability of the liver to process the energy that she's eating into glucose. And it's glucose which really drives the cow's production and also her fertility. So by maintaining a nice healthy liver and not bunging it up too much with fat, um, we will make sure that that cow has got sufficient energy reserves. Even if you pay close attention to your condition score, did you know the rain can affect your fertility? I was surprised when James told me. Once we've put the cow up at the right time, then obviously the handling of the semen, uh, handling of that cow around that period is also quite critical. The cow is also subsequent to environmental factors. So if we've served her around that period, if we find that there's a, a, a bad weather event, or we've had days of bad weather, that our conception rate will be down compared to if that cow has been served at a time when the weather is really good, when feed availability is good, etc. So we need to look at the nutrition of the herd and make sure that it's constant and in fact increasing through that period. If we have, for example, three days of bad weather, the sugar levels in the grass will be down probably by about half of what they usually are. This typically equates to over a kilo of sugar in the cow's diet. So what we need to do is make sure that we've filled that gap to meet the cow's requirement. So this means maybe putting the feed rate use up by a kilo to two kilos a day at that period in time. And this will significantly help conception rates through that period. Once you've done as much as you can to improve your fertility, where should it be sitting at? After the first six weeks of service, we should end up where we have a six week in calf rate. So these are animals which um, they've been served maybe once or twice um, and have not been identified as coming back into service, uh, into heat again. So the number of animals that we should see really at that stage um, on the six week in calf rate should be over 78%. Anything less than that, um, we should be looking at the reasons why, but 78% is the target. So the six week in calf rate will have had two services by that time um, and the target is 78%. But remember, you don't want to spend too much money trying to get up there. James has some tips on using a tool on cowcare.com.au to help you do a cost-benefit analysis. There's little point in improving the fertility, spending, let's say, $300 a cow improving fertility if the direct cost benefits are only going to be $50. So the cost of infertility calculator is um, very simple and easy to use. Um, it's there on the website. Um, we can use the calculator by putting in the number of cows to be bred, and then we can look at the effects of the percentage of cows that are submitted, the submission rate, and the number of cows that conceive to first service. Um, we can look at the direct costs of infertility if we change these figures. So if we improve our conception rate from the average, which is only 38% to that first service, up to 60%, we can see the effect on the bot what that would mean on the bottom line 
just by changing that one factor. That then gives us a benchmark to be able to look at the cost of likely solutions so we can look, concentrate on the value of what we do rather than just the cost. Thanks for tuning in today. Special thanks to Noel and Robin Davies, Adam Richards, Hayden McKenzie and sharing a lot on this episode. Head along to cowcare.com.au to get all the other episodes of the Cow Care Podcast. And while you're there, you can also get a copy of the free Cow Care magazine if you don't have one already. You can also see what Riverbank stock feeds can do to help boost your milk production and profit with our Cow Care Club. This podcast was produced by Miles Martignoni. I'm Sean Britton. I'll see you next time.